Empower for the Leaders of Tomorrow, the podcast that helps you boost your career, thrive in an international job market, and enhance your personal life. I am one of your hosts, Rim Larif, and I am one of the six creators of the podcast. Every month, we will discuss the soft skills you need to empower yourself, grow, and fulfill your dream career. In today's episode, I will leave you with Jamie and Isabel, who will guide us through the importance of cultural intelligence in the workplace and how you will learn this important skill. I'm Jamie, and I'm on air today with my co-host, Isabel. So Jamie and I, we're both um, from different countries and cultures, as well as the rest of our team members. And each of us, we moved to Paris, had our experiences with stereotypes, culture shocks, Um, but not only that in our lives, but also in professional work settings. And by actually acknowledging these differences, um, it's helped us to raise more awareness regarding this topic. So we thought it would be very relevant to ask uh, to talk about cultural intelligence in our first episode. So today we're welcoming you, Fanny Eng. You are a thought leader in cultural intelligence, that cultural diversity and its impact on leadership. Uh, you are also a coach at the Cultural Intelligence Center, as well as a director in corporate partnerships at INSEAD, based in Singapore. So, Fini, thank you again for joining us. How are you today? I'm really good. It's sad. Um, actually, it feels like Saturday, but uh, it's a public holiday here in Singapore, and we are celebrating the Diwali festival. Um, yes, and it's a festival of lights and you know, overcoming evil with good. Happy Diwali. Yes, happy Diwali. That's great. Thank you. Yes. That's amazing. That's odd. I, I thought it was uh, Indian celebrations, but I was not aware that it was yeah. also celebrated in Singapore. That's great. Yes, because Singapore is a multicultural uh, society and a country here. And so we have Indians and Malays and Chinese. And I am a Malaysian Chinese and working in Singapore. And so we take any holiday and celebrate and make a big deal out of it. Wow. <laughs> Talking about multiple exactly. countries. You have That's right. worked in a lot of um, countries such as the US, uh, China, Singapore. Uh, and you have dealt with a lot of people from diverse uh, backgrounds. Right. One of the reasons why we decided that your profile was very suitable for this podcast. Exactly. So we were wondering, just to kick it off, could you maybe explain a little bit about your background and career, what brought you to a focus on cultural intelligence? Okay. All right. So um, I am a Malaysian Chinese who have moved from, I mean, born and bred in Malaysia, um, but... Um, My impressionable years were in the U.S. Right, when I was doing my undergrad and then my master's. And then, of course, uh, my work in the consulting field. I was a management consultant for almost 20 years. Uh, I worked in Accenture. I worked in IBM. And in between, I also worked as an HR professional um, in Asia Pacific uh, with a nonprofit organization called World Vision. So, and now I am in an academic institution um, and doing some consulting and uh, business development role as well. Um, so, in a nutshell, it's very much about helping people um, learn, 
right? That's really, um, in a nutshell, my job, right? And whether I'm selling training or training people, it is about helping people to learn. Um, so that's, um, and in the last 20 years, we have spent 10 years of that um, in China. Uh, my husband's job brought us there. Um, and I was a very reluctant trailing spouse, you know, so because I have my life back in, uh, at the time, Singapore. <laughs> so um, I moved uh, to Singapore um, during the millennial. Yes. Um, so when we turned into 2000, right? So that's Y2K. I think that you guys were still in diapers, maybe. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> oh, were you born? Yeah. So um, and then spend the time in Singapore. And then, of course, I, I went to China. Uh, but in between our 10 years in China, we actually spent about three years in Jakarta. Wow. And then back in Singapore. Yes. So it's more or less like a checking in, checking out different countries. Um, you know, in these, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm well-traveled per se in, as an expat, but my work does take me to, you know, all the countries in Asia Pacific. Um, and the, the most uh, memorable time that I had in terms of working across uh, cultures in Asia Pacific was when I was an HR director um, at, in um, World Vision, and so that was you know my portfolio was twenty two offices across Asia Pacific. Wow. So you know from Australia to Papua New Guinea to the obscure little towns in Thailand, right? Um, I was very blessed. I got to see yeah. so many you know of these uh, cultures at play. You know, so of course it kind of affects my life and how I bring my little girl who is not very little anymore and my outlook in life is 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 different because of um the opportunities that I had as an expatriate leader um you know working across um Asia Pacific and also in Americas and Australia as well that's that's a great experience yeah you're living the dream Yeah. So, I'm wondering, um, since you've lived in so many countries, had a fair share of experiences and touches with different cultures, um, how would you say was it for you to adapt to the different countries whenever you moved, or perhaps even what challenges did you come across when you moved? Mm. I think that, uh, well, I'm 53 right now, so, you know, like in the middle of the road, um, unless I go tomorrow, right? So um, the the experiences are very different, right? In the beginning, it was all about excitement, the motivation about going abroad and living in, you know, different cultures and learning new things from food to books to, you know, theaters and, and work, right? Um, was very exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time, um, even from Malaysia to Singapore was very exciting. And then from Mala- from Singapore to China was even more exciting for me, right? But then cultural fatigue actually sets in, to, to tell you the truth, right? By the time it is your 10th year, you feel like, oh my gosh, where's my home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is exacerbated by when you try to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. How do you tell your kid where she comes from? Right. And so so it's like, okay, so so where are my roots? Right. And yes, I'm a Malaysian, but I haven't been back home for more than 20 years. Right. Except for visiting my parents. Right. And it's always going to the parents house and then in-laws and and that's it. You don't really live. Right. It's like a vacation place already. So it's it's like what um, 
I always remember T.S. Eliot's um, uh, quote, right? It says, you know, it, we, we won't ever cease to explore everywhere, right? Mm. Um, but in the end, after all the exploration, right, you arrive back to the place that you started and then it's brand new all over again. I mean, mm. I'm paraphrasing him, right? But, but that's, that's what it is for me. So, so the question would be, am I a Malaysian? Am I a Singaporean? Uh, but I have all these years in, in China. So am I really also Chinese, right? Um, so towards the end, um, and now that I'm back in Singapore, um, it is very much about soul searching as well. And it is always the context of who am I? And my cultural intelligence grows, of, of course, but it's never static. It, there are times when it will you know, dip and, and, and up as well. Um, so I'm not sure how much you know about what cultural intelligence is, um, but um, the, the construct of it is very much about not just learning about the food and the knowledge about the geography and the politics, right? That That's, you know, a dimension in cultural intelligence that looks at the cognition part, right? But that's also, what do you do with this knowledge? And that's called metacognition. And that means it's, it's really thinking about your thinking. Mm. Right? And it's like, oh, how is it that when I'm in a certain society, I feel a certain thing? Like it could be, you know, country X, I go in there and I feel a certain fear, right? Or then I go to country Y and it's like, hey, wide doors open, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and start to be aware of these biases and prejudices that I have and say, then how am I going to use that and plan my action when I'm at my workplace or in the community? Right. And then there is this, of course, and all these will link to then how do I bring my thoughts into my actions? So those are, you know, another dimension of CQ, the cultural intelligence is about the behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. But in the end, the most important to me, and I know that a, a lot of academics may differ uh, from my view, but the construct that is very important, right? Um, the, the dimension that's important in the CQ construct is the CQ motivation. In At the end is, do I want to change? Yeah. Do I want to adapt, right? And why is it that there are certain places that I would love to adapt and there are certain places where you're like, I'm sorry, no, right? Because my culture is more superior. Mm-hmm. Of course, you don't say that, but it's actually about thinking that actually I'm so much more superior. My, my country thinks about justice and democracy in such a way. And then when you go to a communist country mm. or a country where there is no laws, right, then you immediately will be judging yeah. based on where you come from, right? Yeah. So that's the motivation, right? The mm. motivation about beyond, I want to travel into exotic countries, but the motivation about, I really want to challenge my own culture, right, about... I mean, just an example, I come from a democratic society, right? And I go into a communist society. Obviously, there's big differences. In, and to stop yourself from, from judging, for, suspend yeah. the judgment and say, hey, that is very interesting. And I'm curious about why they behave this way compared to my fellow country women and men. And what, why is there a difference rather than, oh, that's so wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Censorship on the internet is so wrong, right? But why, right? So that's the interesting part about CQ. Sorry, I'm, I'm very passionate about cultural intelligence. So. <laughs> yeah. 
we love hearing more about it. So as you've described, there are more dimensions to um, cultural intelligence. And how would you say have, has the awareness of that and also um, the reflection about yourself as a person and culture helped you to overcome the identity crisis that you've described earlier? Hmm. That's a really good question. Hmm. I think that I would uh, I would explain it this way, right? So um, in the beginning, I would look at um, different cultures from the lens of being very ethnocentric. And that means I will look at another culture based on where I am or who I am from a nationalistic standpoint or my race, right, or my gender or what kind of organization I come from, right? And so that's at the ethnocentric standpoint. To now, to maybe, you know, a few years ago, it will be from an ethno-relative lens perspective, which means that it's like, okay, suspend where I come from and look at it, right, from a relational standpoint. Right, so that that's how I look at it. To the point now, even as as you were asking me the question, I'm thinking, hmm, mm. perhaps we should think of culture from a standpoint of forget about where my culture was from and where I have been, but really stand firm with two feet on the ground and consider that point as a sovereign point of you. Yeah. Right, who am I? Take out all these layers of the Malaysian culture or the, the 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 cultural experiences that I have with the Asia Pacific countries and so forth, right? And say, who am I first? Right, and then in the context of who am I, I can then interact, yeah. um, you know, and adapt more effectively with uh, other cultures. So I think that that's something that I would aspire to 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 have, right? to truly know who I am and not have this, you know, the, the traditional way of explaining about uh, even cultural awareness or cultural intelligence is to have two feet, right? One foot at your your own culture, another foot there, right? But I'm like, no, just keep your feet together <laughs> in one place as you, the sovereign you, and to interact, you know, with my fellow countrymen and different cultures as well, yeah. Yeah, in the end, that's the question we're all asking in life, isn't it? <laughs> that's right, yeah. Very interesting intake on how uh, cultural intelligence is and all the aspects it has. It, it's actually very rich in um, all of its glory, I can say. But yeah, uh, so you kind of defined what cultural intelligence is, but can you go a bit further as to why it matters, especially in the working place and then further in society, please? Mm -hmm. So from a workplace, I think, I mean, you know that, uh, you know, globalization has happened, right? And now one of the phenomenon is really about countries becoming more and more nationalistic. So if we dial back, you know, 20, 25 years ago, it's all about globalization and therefore CQ is important because your group will become more diverse, you you work across geographies and, and so therefore cultural intelligence is important to make decisions, to negotiate and to relate with your team members, with your uh, clients and with your partners, right? That That's it. And, and also in terms of the society, right? Globalization has actually impacted and we all recognize the importance of CQ. But now it's different, right? You and I live in 
you know, times like this where it's not just about globalization, but countries become more nationalistic, right? Flying the flag, right? America first or China first or whoever first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that actually to me, ironically, is all the more important for organizations to have companies to have cultural intelligence as a corporate collective self and individually. Because as we still traverse and go into countries to set up, expand our business footprint, right? Uh, Because that is not going to stop, right? We go where the market is. In the end, there is still this geopolitical, nationalistic feelings that people have and behaviors um, that ultimately come from the kind of biases that we have because of nationalism, right? And so all the more, we need CQ to help to navigate a much more volatile and sensitive mm. um, world, right? And and so, of course, from the workplace, it will spill out to the communities as well, right? Um, I mean, from a community perspective, I'm a Christian, so let's let's look at it from from a church perspective, right? Mm-hmm. We are so much more divided, right? Mm-hmm. And now you you look at how Generation Z, which is you guys, right, are mm-hmm. coming in and working with the millennials to me, the Gen Z, right? Uh, I mean, I don't think that there's any more boomers, right? So we are we are the last of the Mohicans from, from the dinosaur times, right? Oh. But, but even then, <laughs> even then, then we have three to four types of generation working together, mm-hmm. adding the complexity of how social media is permeating our lives right so it makes our entire society divided right and even if you can come from the same country same church same temple right and and, and same school we still are divided into the most fundamental uh, ideas of having the freedom to live the way that we want the sexual preferences or you know even um the, the way of life Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was just having a conversation with my daughter to actually kind of prepare for this podcast because she's a generation Z. She's 16. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and and of course, she talks about, you know, um, you know, um, she was the one who teaches me about they. The pronoun they, right? Okay, I remember, you know, that was like uh, two years ago and we were fighting in the car about what they is, right? (laughs) And so she starts to educate me about like, you know, they is a singular and we're like, excuse me, we send you to a British school and you tell me that they is a singular, right? (laughs) And and so we started to, but but I think that we have enough of CQ as a family to, to listen. Right. So all the more, I think that this is an important point about listening to the Generation Z's way of thinking and how they perceive the world, which is completely different. It's not right or wrong, good or bad, mm. but it's really enriching the uh, organization, the workplace, if you just listen. And, and it goes both ways, right? So it will always be like, mom, you don't listen. That's what my daughter says. Right? And I'm like, honey. You don't listen to me as well, right? But if we can just put down our arms, right, mm-hmm. and say, hey, what's your perspective, right? How is it that you view, you know, freedom in such a different way than me, right? How do you view balance of lifestyle and quality so differently from me? Money, right? Uh, and a steady income, that, that kind of stuff, right, really is 
enriching the workplace. And that's why diversity and inclusion is so important. It is no point bringing the diverse people, all sorts of people in your team, Mm -hmm. and you don't have CQ. Mm -hmm. That in itself, your ability to innovate and create is so much lower than if you bring a homogeneous team. This is research that has been done uh, you know, through and through in the last few years, very much about just diversity alone is not going to get that innovation and creativity. The spark of it is if you have CQ, then exponentially mm-hmm. it increases that innovation and creativity. Makes sense, right? Yeah. It does make sense. But do we do that? A lot of times we hold so true our own culture and our own, and that culture is very much about the way of life and the way of thinking. We are so sure we are so right that we are blinded, right, mm-hmm. by the differences that people can bring in and enrich, you know, the whether it's a product or services that you provide to the business world and then it all will spill into the society, right? So, so that's why I feel that CQ is so much more important right now in workplaces, in the communities, in the society at large and the world, right? Just looking at climate change alone, right? The voices, the different voices that has been clamped out. And I'm sure if you're in France, you would know, um, you know, we talk so much about climate change this week alone with COP26, right? Mm-hmm. Um how do you solve the problem, right? And the young people will stand up and like, oh, I, we are going to solve the problem. You bad people, all these brown <laughs> industries and so forth. But if you listen and we're like, but who are the ones who are holding the purse, the, the resources to be able to change? So you can't just stand on your, your soapbox and scream for change and not work with the generation that came before you and try to right the situation together as a multi-generational mm-hmm. people, right? Because if not, then we are extinct as the humankind, right? So all the more, it is so important. Uh, yeah, absolutely agree with what you said. I was thinking, so you've mentioned a few things, um, especially about reflection, who am I, who am I as an individual, aside from the culture that I grew in as well as being more open to listen to other perspectives and also perhaps respecting that. So how do you think can someone actually develop or grow their cultural intelligence that they might not have yet or mm. where they have experience to come in touch with diversity? Yeah. Yeah. I will always think that the most important place to start really is your motivation and your intention. And asking the big question about why do I bother? Mm -hmm. Why do I want to be more culturally intelligent, right? And it cannot be to serve your own purpose. It has to be a bigger purpose Mm -hmm. that involves others and the world, right? And when you start that as a starting point, then you realize and you go out into the world, travel is the the fastest way to learn, but not just that. If you, you know the young people, I encourage like my daughter who will be doing her IGCSE soon, and then you know go to college. And I say, take a gap year, take a gap year to see the world, right? Before the university will kind of bastardize the whole, you know, purity of what you want to do for the world and how the world can do something for you, right? 
Um, and so it is about seeing the world, read as much as possible, literature that is completely opposite of yours. Right? So if you come from a democratic or a socialist environment, read something about dictatorship or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, about communism, right? So, so if you are of a certain, if you are from a Muslim faith, learn about Christianity and vice versa or Buddhism, just be curious. That's where you will start, right? Eating different foods, right? That's the, actually the easiest per se, right? Um, but experimenting. And the other way is that, like, um, you know, for, for people who are starting out in the university and going out to the workplace, the best is to put yourself out there to join teams that are completely different from you. Because mm-hmm. you are forced, you are really forced to <clears throat> up the ante in terms of your CQ. You can only learn by experience. You can't read. You have all the cognition. Remember that that, that is an important part, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but in the end, it is very much about going out there, exposing yourself, right? In terms of the behaviors and make as many full par, um, you know, uh, behaviors because you learn. You learn from your failures, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, you keep on worried about, oh, but what, what if I say the wrong thing and so forth? Well, learn about the culture first, but give yourself permission to make a mistake, mm-hmm. right? That is important, right? Mm-hmm. Work for companies, you know, when you apply for jobs, look at their DI index, right? Look at their board, right? I always like to check their board members, right? How diverse are their board members? Because that gives you a glimpse of whether they are just saying or that they are really practicing diversity and inclusion. And then, you know, read more about the companies and so forth, right? So that would be things that you can do, right? small steps right yeah yeah those are also ways to guide international students in general or even as you mentioned the young generation about how to be more open to the world yes open to themselves actually as well so yeah those were very interesting insights thank you a different perspective you coming from um singapore now or being based in singapore at the moment uh, having so many diverse uh, experiences and I think it will be very valuable um, for the both of us but of course also our listeners since uh, most of us or our audience um, is actually also in the same situation mm-hmm. mm. so I really appreciate that and I think it Lovely. will yeah, be very very amazing to dive deeper into diversity and be more curious as I said yeah absolutely Thank you very much again. Um, I believe it's been 20, yes. less than 30 minutes of recording. Uh, that was really enriching for us to listen to. Like We learned even further by listening to you and discussing with you. And it was a very lovely chat. Thank you again. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Yeah. If you liked today's episode, like and subscribe to Empower Podcast and make sure to never miss an episode. If you have any comments on topics you want to hear or feedback and comments, join us on our forum at our website, wixsite.com empower. Stay tuned for your next episode and let's make an impact together that really matters.